Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, guys? It's an exciting time of the year for UFC 251. It's going to be one hell of a card, baby, and without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go. My bookie, for the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try a parlay, for instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week. Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000, which means if you deposit two grand right now, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to activate your offer from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. MyBookie today is Monday, June 15th, 2020. We're talking baseball today. Again, it's been the common theme for the past few weeks. We're talking more baseball, big league Bakersfield baseball, as well as San Luis Obispo Blues baseball with former White Sox third baseman Brent Morell. We're going to dive into his career a little bit, both in college and in the pros. He played for the Chicago White Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, and Pittsburgh Pirates. Went over to Japan for a couple of years as well. We get into that a little bit. But first, we're going to recap at least the first five picks or so, of this year's Major League Baseball college draft. Spencer Torkelson, congratulations. I think the Detroit Tigers kicked some serious ass in this draft. Definitely the winners of the 2020 Major League Baseball draft this year, drafting Spencer Torkelson, first baseman, out of Arizona State University as the first overall pick. And then, of course, the Orioles go ahead, get Heston Jerstad, the outfielder out of Arkansas, Max Meyer to Minnesota as the number three pick. Uh, Lacey, the left-handed pitcher out of Texas A&M, going to Kansas City. And then, of course, Austin Martin from Vandy, the center fielder slash infielder, going north of the border to Toronto for the Toronto Blue Jays. But like I said, the Detroit Tigers, they kicked some serious butt this year. I mean, they had a strong and clear plan going into this for, again, a strange, shrunken five-round MLB draft. It was originally 40 rounds shrunk to five rounds due to the COVID-19 pandemic. They had to make some budget cuts. Um, but they followed through with it with precision. I mean, draft any player who has ever played third base at Arizona State or, or practiced at third base playing Arizona State or signed to play at Arizona State or, well, you know, ever stopped in Arizona on a layover. And you know what? It worked to perfection. I mean, in a short draft, they got impact. Uh, they, they got some really good players. I mean, he, I mean, this is what the Tigers' general manager was saying, that they, they made an impact. He might be underselling it. The Tigers crushed this draft. I mean, even if players reach their potential, the Detroit Tigers just supercharged their rebuild. I mean, finally, they got some bats to go with all their young, talented pitchers. I mean, granted, some of it may have been luck. You know, drafting somebody like Spencer Torkelson with the first pick makes this draft successful anyways, right from the get-go. And then draft several players um, later on that kind of fell right into their lap. Maybe it was a bit of luck, and maybe it was a plan coming together perfectly, but... There was so much to like about this draft if you're, if you're Detroit. I mean, you could almost hear Tigers general manager Al Avila shout his directive, you know, like, pitchers, we don't need no pitchers, you know, get some bats. And that's what they did. Remember back in the day when they had Verlander and Scherzer and David Price and Rick Porcello? I mean, that was the greatest rotation of all time. They did nothing with it. But the Tigers selected six position players in this draft, including five straight college players. Best of all, they can all hit, or at least they have – you know, a track record of hitting. I mean, these college hitters are polished, mature prospects who, if everything goes as planned, aren't that far from the big leagues either. I mean, the Tigers got more than just hitters, too. They got impact bats. 
guys with serious power. It starts with Torkelson, obviously. Um, I mean, no park's going to hold Torkelson. I mean, that is music to the ears of anybody who has, you know, anguished as certain home runs turned into fly balls in Comerica Park. Torkelson's not the only one. I mean, several of these draft picks have serious power. I mean, everything fell perfectly for the Tigers in the second round when they took Dylan Dingler, um, an athletic catcher from Ohio State, who has first-round talent. I mean, he's got a high ceiling. I mean, he's a toolsy catcher. And now here is where some luck comes into play, though. The Tigers had four scouts take a look at him before the season was shut down, which is why they felt confident in taking him. Uh, And, of course, in this strange year when baseball was shut down, the Tigers stuck with players that they had scouted earlier, which brings us to LSU's Danny Cabrera, who could become the Tigers' Future left fielder, if all goes right. I mean, if it hit, if he hits his projected uh, uh, potential. And they've got a lot of history with his bat. It's a quality bat. It's been good. Uh, he's going to be an everyday left fielder, according to uh, Tiger management. He's a power bat. He's, he's not a runner, but he runs good enough. Um, and in this strange draft, like I alluded to, cut to just five rounds. The Tigers got serious value for their picks. In many ways, they were lucky that Dingler and Cabrera both slipped. I mean, they were definitely surprised at that. And they got some guys who can develop and have tremendous upside, especially Gage Workman, who's a six foot four power hitter from Arizona State as well, who they nabbed in the fifth round. I mean, he strikes out a bit too much at times at the plate, but they think that he's a huge, has huge upside. And uh, the power potential, of course, is tremendous. And the Tigers got a bunch of versatility, Positions don't really matter right now, so, I mean, I wouldn't worry that the Tigers drafted Spencer Torkelson and announced him as a third baseman, and then drafted Workman a third baseman, you know, but Torkelson could end up back at first base, and Workman could move too, you know, I mean, the Tigers are using an old, proven method, if you can hit, they will find a place to play you, but more more than the versatility, you could sense a maturity to these players, which showed up in the Zoom calls and video conference calls with the media, and then I mean, when it seemed as if they they had minded everything that they could out of Arizona State, they did a little bit more digging, you know. After taking both Torkelson and Workman, they got Colton Keith, who was Mississippi's Gatorade Player of the Year in 2019. And then Keith, I mean, of course, was signed to Arizona State. Sorry about that, Sun Devils. It's nothing personal. But, again, the Detroit Tigers, I just got to say one more time, kicked some serious ass in the 2020 Major League Baseball draft. And I wanted to discuss at least the first five picks. Obviously, we just discussed Spencer Torkelson, first and third baseman out of Arizona State. But Heston Jurstad out of Arkansas, the outfielder going to Baltimore. I mean, Heston won't be the first Jurstad to play pro ball. I mean, his brother Dexter spent a number of seasons as part of the Kansas City Royals and Miami Marlins organizations. He does have a chance to become the first one in his family to reach the majors, though. So Jurstad is a a big left-hander with a ton of strength and a a bad ball appetite that keeps his walk rate kind of lean. And he has a track record of hitting against good pitching. He's hit 343 with a slugging percentage of 421 in three years of playing in SEC competition. And this season, of course, he sliced into his strikeout rate in a limited uh, amount of games played. I mean, reducing it from, I think it was, what, 19.6% to 11.5%. And, of course, teams are going to have to decide if they trust his odd, albeit adaptable swing enough to project him as, you know, like a Corey Dickerson type. So, if so, Jerstad could be the first collegiate outfielder off the board. Uh, Max Meyer to Minnesota, like we mentioned. I mean, Cole Meyer, um, what, what are they calling those bees, the murder hornets? I mean, Cole Meyer, just that, because he's he's small, but he's kind of fierce. He's about 
sunny gray size, yet he still has well above average arm strength that lets him touch the upper 90s, and a wipeout slider that is one of the best secondary pitches that you'll see in this draft. I mean, if asked, he could probably pitch out of a big league bullpen this season. So another great grab from Minnesota. Uh, uh, Asa Lacey out of Texas A&M going to the Royals as the fourth overall overall, uh, round pick. And over the last three years, I mean, six left-handed starters have averaged, I think, uh, 150 innings. Yeah, 150 innings and more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, And that goes along uh, in Chris Sale, uh, Robbie Ray, Patrick Corbin, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, Clayton Kershaw, of course, Matthew Boyd, but Lacey here, who struck out 46 batters in 24 innings this season, kind of seems primed to join that group relatively soon. I mean, at minimum, he has the highest upside and the best shot at realizing it among the pitchers in the class, but his repertoire features four usable or even better pitches, including a low to mid-90s fastball and a slider that each grade as elite offerings. Uh, according to Trackman data. And he also has the frame and demeanor that scouts kind of seek in their top of the rotation like prospects. I mean, the major flaw in his game is probably his command. Even though he walked three batters um, uh, per nine in his abbreviated season, he still finished uh, his Aggies career having walked four per nine innings. So if Lacey can improve that in that regard, he has the the weaponry to to become a frontline starter in the big leagues. And then, of course, we talked about Austin Martin out of Vandy, uh, University of Vanderbilt out in Tennessee, center fielder, getting drafted north of the border to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he's a top-of-the-order hitter, versatile defender. Might be the most intriguing player in the class. Uh, he has an impressive feel for contact for uh, the strike zone, of course, finishing his career in Vandy with a 368 batting average and more walks than strikeouts. I mean, he was the toughest batter to strike out in power conferences. Uh, though he homered just 14 times, his exit velocities suggest that there's a plus power potential here underneath the surface more than the eye could tell. So something he could probably achieve thanks to his offensive uh, attitude and swing that already features loft, and in short, though, Martin fits the profile of others who have added power to their games in recent years. He's also a skilled base runner with good speed and smarts. Generally, having an undefined position is a negative, but in Martin's case here, it could turn out to be a positive because he's primarily a third baseman before this year uh, when he slid into center field to become uh, uh, have a better leverage with his, his speed, of course, like we talked about. So a creative team could maximize his value by having him split time between the infield and the outfield uh, with, you know, Whit Merrifield, maybe Scotty Kingry, among others. So another good pick there for Kansas City. Those were the top five picks in this year's draft. Uh, Got to give a special shout-out to Cade Meckles, the Meckles machine baby, getting drafted fourth round, 122nd overall pick to the Chicago White Sox. I believe it was the 112th, excuse me, my bad, 112th round pick. Uh, fourth overall to the Chicago White Sox goes Cade Meckles. He got drafted in the 40th round last year by the Miami Marlins, decided to come back to Phoenix to finish out his senior year. Obviously didn't get the chance, uh, got injured about halfway through as well, but gets drafted in the fourth round this year. He's in the Chicago White Sox organization. Hopefully we'll see him in Charlotte at some point soon in AAA with the Charlotte Knights. Uh, so congratulations to Cade. We're going to talk to uh, his former teammate, Dane Stankowitz, uh, infielder for Grand Canyon University Baseball on the show on Wednesday. That'll be two days from now. Uh, we're also going to review the uh, uh, Judd Apatow movie, uh, King of Staten Island, featuring Pete Davidson and Bill Burr. 
But with that being said, I wanted to get into today's interview after reviewing the draft there a little bit with Brent Morrell, again, former third baseman for the Chicago White Sox, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Toronto Blue Jays. Talks about his experience growing up in Bakersfield, his experience in the big leagues. He hit a home run in his first ever at-bat against Bruce Chen. We talk about that a little bit. All and more here on episode 206 presented by Belly Up Sports. Be sure to follow Belly Up Sports on the Twitter and on the IG at Belly Up Sports. And if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, head on over to MechaNutritionStore.com right now by using the promo code OSHO20, capital O-S-H-O-W-20 for $20 off your next door. Swallows the gold. Size is the pride. Brent Morrell on the OSHO right now. This won't take too long. Was kind of how you grew up, uh, born and bred in Bakersfield, California. I have a few friends from Bakersfield as well. What, what what's the baseball scene like there today compared to what it was for you growing up? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, like I've been gone for so long, um, but it's definitely nicer facilities. Kind of expanded. You know, we're able to host some tournaments now and stuff to accommodate many people. So it's definitely improving. Wow. So what was it like when you were growing up? Uh, I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, we we always played. So there's like, in Bakersfield, there's Northwest and Southwest, yeah. like the All-Star teams. So we were, I always played for Northwest. And, you know, we had a lot of success. We went to the World Series when I was 12 and when I was 15, I believe. Wow. Uh, and we got to host a regional when I was 11 in Bakersfield, so Wow, and Bakersfield, I know, about two hours from L.A., then you go to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. How far is that drive from Slow to Bakersfield? It's two hours. Oh, that's not bad at all, then. No, yeah, and they've actually, there's only really one road to get there, and they've improved that road a lot and expanded it. It used to be, like, a one-lane road, and it was, it was, at the time, it was, like, the most, the deadliest road in the U.S., <laughs> people trying to pass at night, so... Oh, wow. Easier, so. <laughs> Do you have any uh, close scares on that road? No. I think I always just played it safe. I mean, it's kind of my rule of thumb. It's going to save you five, ten minutes. But yeah. Just, now, what, like, what were your uh, days at Cal Poly like, just from a, a ball-playing standpoint as well as just your overall experience in college? Like, what would you say are some of your favorite moments from your playing days as well as, like, off-the-field stuff? Yeah, so, like, any college program, you're – pretty jam-packed schedule, you know, we had weights at 6 a.m., and then started junior classes from around 8 to 2, we just practiced, we started like 2.33, and we practiced till 6, and then all freshmen had to do like study hall in the library from 6 to 8, so it was really like 12, 14-hour days, it was pretty crazy, but, you know, I was, I really liked Cal Poly, Um, I had some offers from a lot like bigger more predominant schools yeah. we really just fell in love with the area fell in love with the coaches the way they developed players and got them drafted so it was it was a good fit for me I at the time I don't know if I was ready to go out of state or anything maturity wise I don't know but it worked out well for me there was it ever a thought to you to go somewhere else like to the midwest or maybe east coast yeah um more west coast 
Yeah. Um, or like Arizona or California, like down at USC and stuff like that. But um, it was a pretty easy decision for me. And then in uh, football, my senior year, I tore my ACL. So Yikes. I was nervous that they might pull a scholarship or anything like that. But yeah. they were great with me, so. Well, that's great. And then, of course, during your time there at Cal Poly, you just mentioned uh, when we started, you played for the San Luis Obispo Blues that first summer after your freshman year. Do you remember any fond moments from that summer with the San Luis Obispo Blues, given it was, like, way back, like 15 years ago? Yeah, I remember. So the coach, Larry Lee, at Cal Poly, just kind of wanted to get some of the incoming freshmen to play for the Blues so he could kind of not scout, but just watch and play and help develop them. So even when I was in school, I would go over on the weekends and play, like, a game and then drive home. Um, Yeah, I remember my first game, I hit a home run. It was, like, one of the first times with a wooden bat, you know? Yeah. It was crazy out that. I think it's called Shinshimer, the old... Right, yeah. Is that where they still play? Still, yep. 15 years later, still the same name. Yeah, so... I mean, I had a lot of good memories, and that was kind of the first, say, like, road trips... Um, yeah. That I've you now gone up to Salinas or wherever it was, like just a different experience playing, playing, first time playing with older guys. You know, I mean, there's guys out of college playing, you know, going over there at 18 years old. So right. it was a fun experience. Now, obviously, you put, played in the big league, so you adjusted well to the wooden bat. But at the time, I wasn't adjusting to a wooden bat as opposed to a metal bat during the spring days and playing in college ball. Yeah, I mean, we would try and use them at practice. Um, I wasn't really like a draft out of high school guy. Right. I was never like, I don't think I would have been taken very high if I showed interest in it anyway. So some of the guys, you know, they would practice more with that to get a feel for it, but it's definitely a big adjustment. Oh, yeah. And do you remember what you guys did that year as a team that summer with the Blues? I know we played pretty well. I know uh, Santa Barbara at the time was really good. Oh, yeah. drafted after uh, college or your time at Cal Poly. Do you remember what you were doing that day when you got drafted by the Sox in 2008? Yeah, so we had a house with a couple baseball buddies, you know, teammates yeah. um, over in San Luis, and then my family came over. Um, so back then, it was, I don't know, I think it was all like in one day. You know, now they split it up like yeah. this now. So I remember the draft, I don't know if it started at like noon or something, but my brother-in-law, my dad, my buddies, we all went golfing over, I think we played the Avila Beach golf course that day, I can't remember where, but um, then we just went back to the house, barbecued, stuff like that, and they um, think they just televised the first round and everything else after that right. was just online, so we were just watching on the computer, you know, you get these conversations with scouts and GMs like hey if you're still around by our this pick you know we're taking you and then some of those didn't happen so you're kind of going through the teams like who needs this position and that but it was uh it was stressful yeah we we got done golfing I think before the draft even started we're trying to because I knew I wasn't going to be like a first round pick Mm -hmm. maybe into the second third round so 
we were trying to get out of the house for a while while that was going on, but we finished so fast. So <laughs> we were just sitting at the house watching it with friends and family. Well, at least you had a plan going in. What, what was your expectation that day? Was it like almost, like you just mentioned, you didn't expect to go in at least the first round, maybe not the second round, but like what was the expectation going in? Were you prepared either way if you were going to get drafted or not? I was pretty confident I was going to get drafted, you know, in the first five rounds. Um, but there was a chance with a couple teams at the end of the second round that were probably not too realistic, but right. was just kind of hoping for and then end up going to, the White Sox didn't have a second-round pick uh, that year, so it was the second pick for them, but it was in the third round. So, so what, what do you think was the biggest learning curve? I always find this interesting, like the biggest learning curve when, I, when you go from playing college ball to being in the minor leagues, because minor league baseball, from what I hear, I can't speak firsthand, but it seems like a completely different animal. Yeah, it's different, you know. Uh, college like obviously you want to perform as an individual but it's a lot more team based um and it's a lot less diverse you know so you go into minor league baseball especially the low level minor leagues it's like it's, you know some of the first time you're around people from different cultures and different ages um speaking spanish you know different languages right. trying to fit in you know and be a good teammate and the travel's not always best, you know, like everyone says, the long bus rides and hotels. Um, fortunately for me, I was able to move up pretty quick and um, I had a lot of good times. I was basically in North Carolina, like all my minor leagues. Yeah. And I really left that area, so. So did you play, obviously they have Birmingham AA and then Charlotte AAA. You got both those experiences? Yeah, so my Break. Right after the draft, I went to Rookie Ball in Great Falls, Montana, and then to Loe in Kannapolis, North Carolina. And then my first full year, I spent the whole season in High A Ball, which was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we didn't have a stadium, so we played at Wake Forest <laughs> College there. Wow. And then uh, my second year, yeah, I started in AA for a couple months, then went to AAA, and then got September when the roster was expanded. Yeah, and what, what would you say was the hardest transition going from AAA to the big leagues? Because obviously minor league baseball is his own animal in its own right, but then of course major league baseball, also a completely different entity. What was the biggest transition going from AAA to MLB and then from MLB back to AAA? Yeah, so I played about a year and a half straight. Um, I'd say the biggest transition was the like, I was splitting time, you know, like, I'm used right. to playing every day, getting consistent at-bats. We had a left-handed third baseman as well as me. We kind of platoon, like, I would play against lefties, or I would go in at the end of the game if we were winning for defense. Right. So I really wasn't playing a ton, you know, for a while there until I took over a full-time role. Um, so that was a big adjustment. And then even jumping forward when I went to the Pirates, being in a National League, um, I, really, I wasn't like a consistent starter. I would just spot start maybe like once a week or something. So it was like trying to develop a routine to be ready to pinch hit for the pitcher or whatever it was. You know, like the pitcher struggling is probably going to get pulled in the second or third inning. So I needed to go get loose. Like I was kind of that first pinch hitter that kind of would save the bigger, you know, yeah. 
better players for the end of the game. So I was always kind of like that first pitch hitter if something got in trouble. So that was a big adjustment for me. Wow. And, and for you, I, again, not many people can say this. September 2010, your first hit was actually also your first big league home run. Do you actually remember that entire sequence, or is it kind of all of a blur right now? I mean, I definitely remember the moment for sure. You kind of just black out and run the bases. You know, yeah. you, just, you have like not so much anxiety you really take in that moment, but it's just one of those things like you just kind of black out. You remember the moment and the highlight, but at the time, it's like you don't even know what you're feeling. Right, you're kind of like just up in the air, like on cloud nine. Do you, I have it right here. Do you remember who it was against? Yeah, Bruce Chen. Bruce Chen, so, baby. Yeah, and what do you think was, I mean, that's obviously got to be one of the high moments of your career. What what else do you think was kind of like at the pinnacle of, of, of your career when it came to like either an individual standpoint or a team standpoint? Uh, well, with the White Sox, we never made the playoffs. When I was with Pittsburgh, we got to make the playoffs yeah. in 2014, and we played the play-in game against the Giants, and that's when Bumgarner went on his run. So we faced yeah. Bumgarner in that one-game playoff, and they beat us, and they went on to win the World Series. But uh, I don't know. I think it's more, like, obviously, you grow up seeing these stadiums, seeing these players, you know, like, and then you're on the same field. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit, right. that's, you hit a double or something on second base, and Derek Dieter's holding you on. It's just pretty, <laughs> pretty surreal, you know? Who do you and think then, was the most intimidating guy to play against? I don't know. Um, and the baseball family is so good. Like even these huge superstars, they would get to third base and just chat with them. Like, yeah, you know, keep working hard. You know, excited right. for you. Like that's the good thing about that baseball family is they really kind of look out for the young guys, and try to make them feel comfortable. Because we had a very old team in Chicago. Um, Gordon Beckham, who was a first round pick when I was drafted, we were kind of the only two young guys and then we had a huge payroll with all these big time veterans so it yeah. almost like hey we're paying these guys a ton of money to perform like just you know do what you can like not put too much pressure on yourself so that was nice wow and obviously you had all those spring frames did you get any time in the arizona fall league as well because that's also kind of a different entity in its own yeah so after i think that's what kind of propelled my career a little bit so we had a guy, a big prospect, third baseman, Don Viciato, who was going to the Fall League. This was, so this was like 09 after my first year. And he went and got hurt. So then I filled in after like a week. And then I ended up performing really well. Won the batting title there for wow. the highest average. And then my buddy from Bakersfield, too, um, went on to get the most home runs and most RBIs, so we had, like, kind of a triple crown from our, our hometown, which is pretty cool, but, uh, yeah, that's just, you know, when you go from single-A ball and you're going to the fall league, obviously that's, like, the top prospects from every team, so you're facing guys that were in triple-A, you know, the year before, like, guys that are going to be in the big leagues. I think they say, like, I don't know, 80 90% of people who play in that league are end up making it to the major leagues. I mean, that number's probably wrong, but it was something like a good percentage of people. So you're playing around the best talent you've ever played against in your life. Yeah. So it was a fun competition. And, and that, obviously, MLB has mentioned best talent you're playing against in your life, Arizona Fall League, Spring Training, Minor Leagues, College, High School. 
you actually got the chance to go over to Japan and play for a year as well. What was the biggest learning curve there when you had to go play pro ball in Japan? Yeah, I played two years. I got to the point where I was going up and down every year, AAA, big leagues, back down, like be mm-hmm. there for a week, you know, go down to AAA for a month. So the opportunity presented itself a couple of years prior, but wasn't ready to make that jump. But, you know, that was probably the best experience of my life going over there and learning a new culture. Uh, it was my first time out of the country, so just taking everything in. You know, the people over there are so nice. Baseball just played a little differently, like mm-hmm. the way they strategize everything. So just kind of learning the, the way of the Japanese baseball lifestyle. Um, took a little adjustment. They just pitch way different, too, so that was one of the biggest things. Now, they always say that the balls are different, too. Are the baseballs different? Or do you guys not really care or know? Yeah, I think that's more for, like, the pitchers. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't really affect me at all. But I know some of the foreign pitchers that would go over there, the seams would be different, the ball, different size. So it was a big adjustment for them, but not so much me. Now, with, with all of those experiences in Japan, in the big leagues, in the minor leagues, what, what would you say was your favorite ballpark to play in? That's just such a tough question. I got asked that, I think, like, a month ago, and I was thinking about it. Um, for me, so my first game I didn't play when I got called up was in Boston at Fenway. So that was just like surreal in itself being at Fenway. So there's some of those like nostalgia fields, you know, like mm-hmm. oh, of course. even in California, like just growing up when I'm playing the Angels, Dodgers, Giants, all those. But I don't know. I, for some reason, I really like playing in Kansas City. Interesting. I don't know if it's because I had good success against them, so I like playing there, but. I think that ballpark's a really scenic ballpark with all the waterfalls and each oh, ballpark. Yeah. Do you remember the first ever pro ballpark that you ever played in, whether it maybe like in high school in a tournament or a showcase or anything like that? Yeah, I played a showcase at Dodger Stadium for one of their oh, that's teams. that's sweet. Yeah, so that was the first one I've ever... I think that's the... Oh, I went to... A, I did a pre-draft workout with Milwaukee and the Diamondbacks. So those were the only three fields I were on before I started playing. Wow. How many ballparks have you uh, been to, whether it was playing days, just going to a game? I think the... There's probably like five of them. The Mets and the Marlins off the top of my head. Um, yeah, there's probably like four or five fields I haven't played in. Oh, well, so you're almost there. Just go c- catch yeah. a game. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to. So what? what's kind of like the, I, I won't call my like growing pains there, but like when you're done playing after a while, was it kind of satisfying to retire or did it felt forced for you? Um, I had the opportunity to go back to Japan or come back and, you know, do a minor league deal in the U.S., but I had a bunch of surgeries throughout playing and my body was really hurting. It was just, my heart wasn't really in it mm-hmm. as much as it needs to be for that much dedication. So I think it was, it was a good time for me to walk away. Now, are you still around baseball, or are you doing something completely different? No, um, nothing to do with baseball. I'll help out maybe every now and then if, like, a friend's kid or something, you know, doing something like that. But I work for uh, California Harvesters, which is a farm labor contractor. So in the Central Valley where I live, it's like, I forget what percent of the produce, you know, in the U.S. It's a very big farming town. So I just, I work with uh, the workers who work in the fields, um, 
you know, and try and get them jobs with different growers and stuff. Well, was this, um, I don't want to say a passion of reason, but did you ever have any other alternate thing that you wanted to do growing up besides baseball? No, not really. I mean, I think anyone from our town, you either go into ag- agriculture or you go into oil. Those are kind of the two big industries here in the Central Valley. My dad works for a grape grower. Um, a lot of my friends, especially Cal Poly, has a really good ag program, too. So a lot of my friends from high school growing up all went to Cal Poly to study ag. So it's kind of the industry that I wanted to get in and all my friends were in. Okay, interesting. And, and again, just one more question for you. I don't want to take too much of your time here. Uh, just to end on a good note here, you held the Brett Morrell dinner and auction, I know, three years in a row, and then uh, in 2014 teamed with the League of Dreams. What went behind teaming with them, and what was that whole experience like? Yeah, they brought me in. So when I was, like I said, my many surgeries, I had a lot of physical therapy, and a guy, Tim Terrio, in town in Bakersfield, started this league of dreams so we raised enough money through these dinners and auctions to build um like rubber astroturf fields for people in wheelchairs you know to have their own league like i grew up playing little league baseball had a league you know you play every saturday sunday whatever it is so we developed this league um for you know people in wheelchairs or any other we call it ability field not disability but outstanding on your part man very generous of you and again i thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me here on the show and i hope during this really really stressful and weird time that's going on that you and your family are staying safe thank you appreciate it listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube